This is Ken Forster, Executive Director of Momentum Partners and Momentum Venture. Welcome to our Digital Leadership Podcast. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in the digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momentum, they are deep industry practitioners. We hope you find these podcasts informative. As always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. This is Ken Forster, founder and executive director of Momenta Partners and Momenta Ventures. I'm sure many of you, our listeners, are wondering why the change in voice here. Well, while I've had the opportunity to uh, participate in a number of live and uh, webinar events for Momenta Partners in the past, I've left our our uh, podcast series, which were over 80, uh, 80 companies now, or 80 uh, interviews that we've done. I've left that really to, uh, to others in our organization. And I have to say by popular demand, uh, I've been asked, chided, uh, inferred, or whatever the case may be to start, uh, to start taking an active role and really driving these forward. And so I'm really happy to uh, to be kicking this one off, particularly today, as it's my distinct pleasure to to introduce today uh, Mario Montag. Mario is uh, was the uh, founder of and CEO of Predicto, a company that we we knew well, um, and uh, and then most recently was Chief Digital Analytics Officer, Chief Data and Analytics Officer, excuse me, at UTC United Technologies. And so um, what's interesting to me about Mario, particularly is not only was he an early founder in this space of, uh, call it industrial analytics, at a space Momenta Partners and Ventures knows well, but also um, was able to sell that into a very large uh, corporation um, and to really get a sense of how this technology is really creating both opportunity uh, and, and disruption in that as well. I'm going to start real quick um, this series and, and a number of others uh, as we do this to talk about what I'll call the Momenta connection. And because Momenta is a very rich ecosystem between our advisory practice, which is focused on a lot of M&A work uh, and, and strategy strategy, our talent practice, which is placing key uh, key executive leaders, and of course our ventures practice, um, which is investing in, you know, in, in disruptive startups in the space, we have a chance to touch a lot of companies. And Mario particularly is an interesting one because he pretty much checks all the boxes. Uh, we, we took a very early look at investing in Predicto several years ago. Um, I, I, I'm both disappointed and proud to say that uh, he was one of the ones that got away um, in that regard. Uh, later on, we actually, on behalf of uh, a leading uh, wind turbine manufacturer, um, we were helping to place their analytics team. We took a deep dive on, on Predicto yet again, and uh, and this came up one of the top five finalists in terms of potential acquisition there. Uh, only being beat out by a company that really was uh, part of uh, IBM's uh, uh, smarter energy team at the time, and obviously direct fit into the renewable energy space. Later on, we Mario and I used to have lots of discussions around talent, potential M and A, and ultimately, um, when he sold to UTC, 
Um, it, not related, but uh, we actually do quite a bit of executive leadership work for uh, UTC, both at the uh, chief data officer, I'm sorry, chief digital officer, and uh, also the chief information security officer. So touching all of those uh, those checkboxes together. So with that, um, welcome, Mario. Um, it's really great to have you on this uh, on this uh, podcast, and of course, uh, you know, based on a deep relationship that we have, um, let's start off. Tell me a little bit about yourself and, and, as importantly, your professional journey that brought, to, brought you to where you're at now. Great. Thank you, Ken, for inviting me to your podcast series. Happy to be here. And, yes, we do go back quite a bit. Um, my personal background, I'm an industrial and systems engineer, uh, started my, my career in, in consulting in the Oracle ecosystem, uh, doing uh, large-scale ERP implementations. Uh, and, and in that journey, I was... Um, managing a uh, master data management practice for, for Hitachi Consulting. And at that time, a pipeline uh, customer had a, a pretty significant uh, pipeline failure. And uh, they said, hey, can, can you help us uh, with this predictive analytics um, interest that we have in using our own data? And I pitched the idea inside of Hitachi and, and they weren't interested. And I couldn't sleep at night thinking about the opportunity. And that led me to start Predicto back in 2013 uh, and did that uh, until the acquisition about 18 months ago by, by UTC. So yeah, background both of, of consulting, uh, a little bit of, of strategy work at McKenzie and Company um, back into the consulting scheme, uh, you know, world. Uh, and then I made the transition of, well, how hard can it be to create a product-centric startup instead of consulting? And, and I was deeply humbled, uh, very, very different world, uh, but fascinating experience uh, that eventually led to, to the exit, so. Excellent. Let's, uh, we'll kind of take our questions in maybe a, a bit of a chronological order because I think, you know, both your your journey as a uh, founder, an early pioneer and founder in this industrial analytics space at Predicto, uh, there's a number of questions I'd love to, you know, bring up relative to that experience. Of course, the, you know, the exit to UTC and the, you know, uh, continued pioneering work you've done there. And then I also uh, understand uh, that uh, that you're working on your next big thing relative to uh, analytics as well, something uh, in stealth at this point. So we're as excited to hear as much as you're willing to share on that. So starting with Predicto, tell me a bit about uh, Predicto uh, at the time. What was the, uh, you know, the, 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 the company's focus in the, in the space? Yeah. So, you know, very quickly we, we realized that the large industrial uh, asset, uh, you know, heavy kind of industries were, were generating a lot of data and weren't really using much of it. And the pain related to reactive maintenance was a pretty easy and simple story to, to, to understand and pitch. So, you know, if I can use your own data and tell you uh, ahead of time that a bad thing's going to happen to you know, this locomotive or an aircraft engine, and you're able to, you know, proactively repair it, um, you know, how much value does that bring to you? And, and everybody was, was trying to improve in that area. And there's people dedicated, you know, inside of the organization and, and consulting companies um, that were trying to, to continuously improve in that area. And in that world of maintenance, uh, predictive analytics is, is a heavy physics-based, rules engine-based world, 
where if you know the, the, the engine crosses this threshold of temperature, for example, you know, one variable, uh, then notify me, right? And the idea of using more data uh, and specifically just advanced analytics, machine learning type uh, analytics uh, was, was not widely used. So the idea of, well, let's help create a product to accelerate the use of their own data and combine that data with NOAA and NASA weather uh, in order to predict that was that was the idea, and it was a very simple uh, sales pitch, I guess you can say. Very, very, very challenging to do, and very quickly we realized that it, highly customized, uh, consulting-heavy type work, and that one data scientist could probably do about five custom model trainings uh, per year, right, using these advanced algorithms, and when you have you know, a fleet uh, that has, you know, hundreds if not thousands of different custom failure modes because of all of the different types of mechanical systems inside of these, you know, transportation heavy um, equipment, you just don't have enough data scientists in the planet to be able to go tackle them one at a time. So very quickly, Predicto pivoted uh, to, to, you know, trying to make the data scientist obsolete, which is a crazy idea. But for us, that was the pitch. And um, we, we quickly tried to, uh, you know, automate the process of creating machine learning models. We were early in the auto ML space without it being called auto ML. <laughs> and, uh, and we got about 85% there. And, and with Predicto, with instead of doing five models per year, we got to about you know five thousand custom models per year with one person. So that brought scale. That brought some very interesting large Fortune one hundred type customers, and a lot of very interesting partners as well. Why why the um, the 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 focus on transportation as you said uh, versus other domains at the time and I'm thinking you know health of course was something a lot of people were talking about uh, you know pattern matching for X-rays as an example. Yeah yeah so you know as a startup you're always you know running out of money right and you have incredibly limited resources and early on we we landed uh, CSX and Canadian Pacific. Uh, two of the five largest uh, railroads in North America, we landed them very early. And, you know, by, by trying to focus on ensuring that the product was a success, we, we naturally started to, to enhance the platform uh, and being able to be very good at big things that move over space and time. And this thing is, is, is moving from point A to point B. Uh, it's generating data uh, through that journey. The data being generated through that journey in, in space and time is being connected with NASA and NOAA weather data. Uh, the, and these weather stations are are fixed. Uh, and then you're also tying it to, you know, what has happened to this thing? When was the last time it had maintenance? Why did it have that maintenance? Um, what what components and parts does it have? And and by being focused in in these use cases of big things that move, it naturally you know resulted in transportation being uh, an area where we would be getting in front of potential customers 
and they would see the connection of, wait, I have a big thing that moves as well. So rail with, with bullet trains and locomotives, commuter trains in Europe, in London, uh, was, was early use cases as well with, with Siemens. Uh, and then, you know, we ended up doing some work in space uh, and being able to predict, um, can't really talk about the customer due to NDAs, but we were able to predict a health condition in humans. And the big thing that moves uh, was the use case was just in this case, a human that moves over space and time and being able to connect particulate data from, from weather as well. But, uh, you know, other, other companies were focused more in, in continuous uh, manufacturing or process manufacturing. And the data, when you got really deep into it, was, was slightly different. And in our case, we just had a very you know, effective uh, solution for transportation. And, and we didn't start by saying, let's go after transportation. It's just as we were landing customers, that's the direction that we ended up uh, focusing in. Yeah, excellent. Again, we wish we would have invested because uh, the uh, idea of focus and then moving to adjacencies, as Jeffrey Moore calls, you know, the, uh, jumping to the next lily pad, um, is exactly what you know we we uh, we look for and uh, we invest in in uh, in many of our founding companies. So, who were um, who were some of your key competitors at the time? Because you were really early into this space, especially into the sector. Yes, very early. Um, you know, back in 2013, you know, I don't think GE Predix was 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 big. I, I think they, they they really invested in marketing uh, one or two years later. But early on, uh, we we were seeing IBM, PMQ, Ayazdi, Clockwork uh, in, in the oil and gas space. Uh, obviously, eventually, you know, C3 IoT. Um, you know, with uptake and, and, and GE Predix, there was this GE and Accenture merger, I think it was Tolaris in, in the aviation space. Uh, and then, you know, naturally, this, you know, we would see a lot of, um, you know, early ideas, early startups that, you know, three, four years down the road, they, they would lose some, some momentum. Uh, we, would, we would run into MTEL actually quite a bit early on in the transportation space. They were trying to move away from process manufacturing that I think was their was their focus and they landed a large transportation customer and they went after that space aggressively and we would run into them regularly. Man, you've listed an awful lot of companies I know, especially uh, the, the last one, Mtel. I've got some good ex-Wonderware friends that were a part of that in terms of uh, really driving their process automation stuff. So the uh, the other one, of course, because you've mentioned space-time many times, was space-time insights, which you know Nokia eventually acquired. And uh, I, I can say that um, uh, space-time, you guys, and of course the company we finally selected, Utopus Insights, were uh, were really kind of free finalists in the work that we did in terms of this uh, buy-side landscaping. Many of uh, many of our leader or our readers will know that uh, um, we published a white paper very specifically on the um, impressions we got out of doing this buy side. We looked at 147 predictive analytics companies, uh, both looking at rotating equipment as one use case, and then uh, demand response as uh, the other energy demand response. And uh, and ultimately, you know, selected the five, and then of course uh, helped uh, acquire the one. But uh, you know, Mario, for for a company that was uh, as lean as you guys were in terms of uh, people, you guys really did punch well above your weight at the time. I can you know, certainly tell you that several years after the fact. Now, <laughs> um, 
So, so you know, it, it sounded like you had a, a lot of great successes across the uh, the uh, um, uh, client base that you were both talking about. What led you to exit when you did, and uh, to UTC, and and why UTC? Yeah, you know, I I definitely think we were early. Um, it was tough uh, getting in the room and and uh, pitching to to potential customers right after you know IBM and GE and others had had presented right like why this 25 person startup um, on you know t- pitching to this fortune 100 right it, it was it was very challenging um, we got to be very very good at delivering on time a 90 day pilot for a fixed fee so that allowed us to go in uh, laser focused with a very concise pitch that said, this is what we do really well. All of these other 99 things we do not do. Uh, and if your use cases and your pain fits really well with this capability that our technology does, this is how we would run a 90-day pilot. So in the case of UTC, we, we got in there through a partner uh, that introduced us to Pratt & Whitney and we, we were very effective in bringing significant value in the 90-day pilot. Uh, actually, you know, halfway through that pilot, we, we, we expanded the work and went after a different use case as well. So we were doing parallel initiatives. And they, they were very, very effective. And it was after that pilot, while we were in conversations to, to expand the licensing agreement, the parent company, UTC, uh, who had, you know, recently been investing significantly in a massive digital transformation, they came and they said, hey, we're very interested. Uh, we were actually running a process, and uh, at the end, we had multiple uh, offers on the table, and, and it was a successful outcome for us and, and the investors. And and those that wish they would have invested. <laughs> so 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 look, um, you know, we 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 invest in a lot in this industrial analytics space, and uh, and I know um, that you know you you may be emerging as doing something in the space again. But um, in terms of your uh, peers, the other founders of industrial analytics startup, um, you know, if uh, if you had a chance to advise them, and you may be doing so already, what, you know, what would you tell them in terms of your own learning and experience, having led Predicto and exited it? Yeah, so it, it's 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 fascinating. I've become friends with some CEOs of direct competitors, right? Because we would potentially be pitching at, at, at a similar event or, or being invited uh, to, to opportunities and, and we would sometimes connect. And, uh, and we understood our, our similarities and our differences uh, and, and we were all trying to get something off the ground, which, which is incredibly challenging. So the, the, the shared scars is a, is a bonding opportunity. Um, I would say that uh, being able to, to deliver um, on a pilot incredibly well organized on time in a specific time frame for a specific flat fee is a very effective way of getting in the door, right? Uh, it is very confusing, the data and analytics space today. There are so many options. Uh, from the, the the large cloud platform players, AWSs and Azures, to specific applications, to consulting companies who have some additional IP to help differentiate them. It is 
is massively confusing. So being able to be very targeted to you know why what makes you special and different, being able to connect on on the on their need, their use case in a very, very targeted focused way and being able to execute and and you know you know pitch and execute on a very specific pilot. I think the 90 day period is a nice uh, amount of time that that gives you the opportunity to to add value and it's but it's short enough as well. I think those were all things that um, helped us significantly. And and I would say, you know, to not be afraid of 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 significantly partnering with somebody. You know, investors um, don't like startups to you know attach themselves too strongly to to a large partner um, because they like you to have that freedom and flexibility. But in this space, I found those who did partner uh, really well with somebody like an AWS or, or some, somebody else, the inflow of, of deals uh, was, was a big, you know, big advantage to acceleration. So I would say don't, don't be afraid to do that early on. Uh, great advice, and uh, and certainly I've I've heard the uh, quote unquote common sense about uh, maintaining and being able to play the field. But I agree with you; you do need to make an early selection of both partners. And as we advise many of our companies, <clears throat> know who your acquirer is going to be early on. Make sure that you have the opportunity uh, to show a little leg, as we like to say along the way as well. Which you know clearly you guys did. Um, Let's transition to uh, to to UTC and some of the work you uh, you did there as well. So, what uh, what was your role and remit at UTC? Yeah, so you know, UTC acquired us. We we joined them as part of their digital transformation. Um, UTC being the parent company uh, with with you know four business units. Otis, Carrier, Collins, and, and, and Pratt and & Whitney, that's going through a, a pretty significant change as well since Otis and Carrier are, are being spun off as independent companies uh, and the well-announced Raytheon merger uh, with, with the remaining Aero companies that's, that's happening uh, this year as well. So, you know, at, at UTC, I uh, was primarily responsible for ensuring that the Predicto acquisition went well, went smoothly. Uh, UTC is an excellent, uh, well-run organization. Uh, lots of experience acquiring and merging with, you know, companies that have thousands of employees, right? In the case of us, 20 people is, is a different story. Um, but, you know, primarily responsible for scaling that team uh, and ensuring the technology uh, was, was, you know, it, it, you know, scaling inside of UTC with many use cases. So that was my 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 main responsibilities. But obviously, also helping with the broader data and analytics strategy at UTC and how the different business units uh, are trying. Everybody's trying to get better and faster at using their own data with tools and partners in order to beat the competition. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd fully concur with you in terms of the uh, the, the organization. Uh, Vince Campisi, particularly as overall chief data officer, um, or I'm sorry, chief digital officer, we um, we've been very impressed um, watching him in terms of the decisions he's make. Of course, we've helped with some of his hires as well. But even as the organizations are splitting apart, we see that you know that excellence going with uh, you know the various units. As many of you all know, we interviewed um, the um, uh, carriers uh, CISO, chief information security officer. 
not that long ago on a, on a webinar that we did on uh, industrial security. And uh, um, just judging by the quality there, hopefully many of our, our uh, um, listeners got a sense already for um, you know the quality of the, the leadership in that organization. Um, can you give me a sense of some of the high-level use cases that you worked on? I'm assuming rotating equipment generally would be would have been one of those, but uh, where you saw, in some sense, the most take-up in the organization? Yeah, we we obviously, you know, we're already working with Pratt and Whitney uh, before the acquisition, and that was a heavy focus for us, and just you know helping to improve. Uh, the the reliability and the aftermarket services of of the engine health right so uh, being able to to focus on you know um, predicting uh, when an event would happen and in the very complex uh, and and highly sophisticated relationships that Pratt has with their customers right because there are uh, the aviation is a pretty complex space you have the airlines, and then you have the manufacturers of you know, the Boeings of the world, right? And then you have uh, you know Pratt as the engine supplier to that. So there's multiple layers of customers and multiple layers of of, of um, people involved in being able to take an action, right? So if, if you have an algorithm, a classification machine learning algorithm that's able to predict a failure in an engine, a very specific failure type. It's it's complicated in order to go through the multiple layers uh, to eventually turn that into an action. And once you're able to do that, the achieved value is is massive in the aviation space, right? So very very proud of what the team is doing. You mentioned uh, in the aviation space. How did you benchmark yourself relative to you know your peers in the industry or even in adjacent industries? How do you know uh, UTC at the end of the day truly was a leader in what we were doing, or you know who did you look for in terms of you know sometimes emulating or learning from? Yeah, we actually got started in the aviation space with FedEx, uh, maybe halfway through our journey, uh, and we we went into to, to the FedEx. Uh, use case, not having an, any idea about aviation. We didn't have anybody in the team that was an aviation expert. We didn't even know what an AOG was, which for the industry is an aircraft on the ground, which is, a, a, you know, you know, aviation 101, right, uh, for, for people in the space. So, um, you know, very quickly we realized the, the, the value that we could bring to the table with a true positive uh, usually has an extra zero or two to it, right? Compared to other use cases, so that makes the ROI conversation uh, much easier. Um, but in in in, this, in the sense of how to to benchmark ourselves or or you know trying to compare on how effective we were, uh, we we just kind of had this very specific platform for big things that move. So the ability to go into a, a customer and take their data. Uh, about you know an aircraft uh, and, and and maybe let's just say you know 500 engines over a year and how those engines are being swapped uh, on on a tail on an airplane and and and, and following the journey of an engine uh, and its flights and all of its sensor data and how how it's you know um, the the data is connected to NASA and NOAA weather data. Being able to do an ETL job of that magnitude, of that complexity, in 48 hours, we were just crushing the competition. 
and being able to you know stitch together the data so quickly to then apply we called it max the, the the predictive machine learning automation engine being able to apply that and create hundreds of custom models in a matter of weeks and delivering a fully functioning application we, you know nobody was able to do that in that space so you know that speed um, in, in, in bringing very complex machine learning uh, analytics to to industries that were already very sophisticated uh, using data and analytics, that was a big differentiator. And uh, we did about 36 different um, pilots and you know deployments of our technology, and we competed against you know IBM maybe 12 or 13 times, and, and we never came in second as an example. Right and uh, and and and, and it, we loved those competitive um, pilots where the data was was shared with multiple parties because we knew that we had something that was very specific and we qualified our pilots and, and, and customers incredibly aggressively. So we we it was too expensive for us to not be successful on a pilot. So we we were very specific on on ensuring that the data that they had. The use case that they had, the problem that they had, was a perfect fit for our technology, so that we would be successful. So, um, given that you've had the unique opportunity to take a um, you know a young, very uh, pioneering, disruptive company and set of technologies into a large industrial. I mean, generally, what do you see as the key challenges? I know, you know, technology push in many of these cases, you know, is always early on the, you know, Gartner hype curve, if you will. But the reality of hitting an organization where, um, you know, where, uh, you know, they've got, if quote, unquote, the, you know, the atoms are meeting the bits in some sense is where, um, you know, really you get to see the the true, um, you know, the true take up, if you will, of, of technologies. Where... Did you see the largest challenges, not necessarily just in UTC, but generally among the industry? Yeah, it is a very complex industry. These are uh, large organizations, you know, usually over 100 years old. They're very good at what they do, right? And they've gotten to that scale, very you know, profitable uh, industries and, and, and companies, and they already invest significantly in data and analytics. So. You know, you need to make sure you understand where you fit in that ecosystem, in a highly competitive ecosystem, and and why you. So um, one early lesson, and 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 frankly, people need to look at themselves in the mirror and say, am I a tool that enables my customer to use the tool for my customer to to get the glory and and solve the problem on their own? Or am I a you know SaaS go-to-market type of company where the combination of my people and, and the tools that I have solve the problem for my customer? We you know we were encouraged to be a SaaS company in a in an early space where our customers didn't really know how to buy SaaS and and our customers don't want a a small startup. Uh, that is a SaaS go-to-market to be the one solving the problem. They, they want to be able to buy the tool and solve the problem on their own. So those were, you know, early lessons of, you know, what is the, the you know, how does my customer want to use 
my capabilities, right? So making sure your go-to-market is is well aligned with that. So that's that's one one area I would say is 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 challenging. And the other is that you know advanced analytics is completely meaningless if you can't have the human perform the action at the end, right? So it doesn't matter how amazing the software looks, how fast you can process the data and ingest it, uh, how many analytics you can do or how accurate they are. If in the end it dies at the PowerPoint, right? And it says we could have done X, Y, and Z with this model, but you never did. That you know that is what's preventing value from being delivered in these heavy industries. And there are a lot of highly complex um, internal uh, systems and processes and walls that are making digital transformations in large industrials highly challenging, right? And it could be the business model, it could be the relationship that your customer has with their customer. I mentioned in aviation as an example, as, as well as other industries. There's just multiple layers of, of customers and contracts that say how data can and cannot be used or, or you know, who, who has the incentive of acting or not acting because there are aftermarket contracts that dictate who pays for the, the failure uh, expenses of a, a you know of an early failure of a, of a part, right? And and maybe your your customer is incentivized to not act because the, you know somebody else is paying for the problem, right? So all of those are, are very very complicated uh, realities. We were working with you know a, a bullet train company, and we were able to predict that they were going to have a failure in a bullet train that day, and they would look at us and say, "I don't have any spares." I cannot do anything about it. I have to send the train out anyway. Thanks for letting me know. So you're kind of staring at this like we were successful, but you know the 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 the, the environment, the system, the structure prevents that value from from being achieved. So it's very very complicated. One might even say that that is, could be the underlying uh, byline, if you will, for digital transformation. <laughs> yes. Tech, the technology is the catalyst and it's an enabler, but it still has to uh, basically accelerate existing business models, existing partner relationships, financial models, and everything else, and thus the conundrum um, you know, of the two meeting and uh, where a lot of the challenge tends to be in, uh, in, in digital transformation projects. Let, let's talk a little bit about what's, uh, what's next. I mean, and given uh, that uh, you so aptly named the company Predicto, I'm going to uh, ask you a little bit to predict where do you think this space of uh, you know industrial analytics is going? And and I mean that we call it generally digital industry to refer to everything from you know kind of the data collection all the way up to uh, you know response, if you will, on the on the data insights. Where where do you see things going over the over the next several years? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, naturally, continued uh, investments uh, in in different technologies to continue to move the ball forward. I think it's, we're just moving it, you know, one or two yards at a time, right? Uh, and it's painful and it's very expensive. Those who are able to operationalize uh, digital technologies to accelerate what they're doing are going to see a massive acceleration. Uh, and you know, start to see the, the the ten and twenty yard passes, right? So those organizations who can get there faster are going to start to see a a a massive difference 
uh, and how they're uh, able to differentiate themselves from their competitors by either reducing costs or being able to take advantage of, of, of new revenues. The challenge is that you're, you're dealing with organizations that you know, have over $10 billion in revenue and in order to have a significant impact on the bottom line, you know, it, it takes a lot, right? It's, it's you know, being able to, to improve something by 0.1% is, is, is not as um, interesting. But having said that, there's a lot of fear out there that my competitors are gonna be able to, you know, use digital technologies to improve things faster and that one or two year uh, you know, sprint ahead of me is, is going to have a significant um, difference. So obviously continued investments, you know, I, I see that happening. I think a lot of people are starting to realize how uh, they need to be working with startups. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy to have to wait six to nine months to be able to get a, a, a basic statement of work, you know, through a legal and procurement. Uh, so, you know, a lot of organizations are starting to say, well, how can I, you know, get that down to three weeks or, or one week? Uh, and how can I do 30 pilots with digital technologies this year instead of two, right? So those who are looking to accelerate just uh, getting their hands dirty and engaging with different startups and, and, and other organizations in a fast and effective way, that's a trend that I'm, that I'm seeing. And I like you know, the, the idea that many organizations who, who have created innovation labs or innovation centers are realizing, hey, you know, it is difficult for us to try to behave like a startup. Um, you know, there are too many antibodies inside of the, the mothership uh, that, that make it challenging. Let's, let's try to, to invest and partner with organizations who can help us create an independent startup where we are maybe side investors or we are uh, providing some subject matter expertise. I'm seeing some venture studios uh, work with large industrials very effectively. That's a very early um, trend that I'm seeing, but I, I'm starting to notice that that large industrials are saying, hey, I, I am struggling to do this fast. Maybe I have to create a separate entity uh, and, and, and give them the freedom to operate outside of the four walls uh, of the large incumbent to be able to accelerate uh, innovation, right? Because the, the traditional R&D way of doing innovation uh, was effective 30 years ago. Today, uh, you know, times are changing, right? And there's a lot of um, new companies coming to the market and there's a lot of fear that they will, you know, disrupt uh, an incumbent's you know, business model. So are you hinting to us about what's next for, uh, for Mario? Uh, <laughs> well, as you said, I, I do have something in stealth mode in the analytics space, uh, something I experienced personally, uh, you know, so, so working on that. But, you know, my, my scars are of, you know, significant interest to a lot of uh, big and small organizations. So having a lot of uh, conversations uh, on 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 what's what's to come, but uh, yeah, certainly dropped a lot of hints in there, and, and I'll I'll let you guys know how how things are are going in a few months. Yeah, excellent, excellent. I, I don't want to uh, say that I missed out on this once again, so sooner the better. <laughs> so so with with that in mind, um, and and on behalf of my uh, my ventures uh, brethren and sister, and if you will, um, what startups are the ones to watch in this space? And I'm thinking, you know, particularly the uh, digital industry space. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I like the startups that are um, very focused. Uh, you know, Sight Machine is doing a nice job in the process manufacturing space. Uh, there are a few that are uh, gaining traction, you know, smaller ones in, in, in oil and gas or, or utility space to Medis that's um, based in, in the UK and in the US as well is, is another that I'm, that I'm liking. But anybody who is significantly focused and that has a lot of stickiness with their customers is uh, somebody to watch. Um, a lot of those are, are, are realizing that the sales cycle is being so long, they have to be more of a hybrid and not just be a pure software licensing uh, type of, 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 of play. Uh, and they're mixing you know, software with consulting to be able to, to um, fund you know, their, their ideas and their growth and their IP development as well. Uh, but yeah, there's 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 a lot of companies out there, um, and and I and I'm also seeing you know the big players like the AWSs and 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 the Azures and the Googles, you know, expanding continuously expanding their platforms to be able to erode and eat into the the pure analytics kind of software companies, uh, you know, product uh, uh, strategies as well. So. You know, lots of noise out there. I was at the Gartner Data and Analytics Conference last year, and my God, it's it is incredibly busy with so many companies going after this space. So anybody who's really focused in in your industry, your type of use cases, uh, that's you know those are companies to watch. Excellent. And final question: We always like to do on our podcast. Uh, any recommendations of books or other resources you'd like to share, whether they're related to you know our conversation or you know life in general? Yeah, I, I think you know two books that I that I recommend regularly. Um, I, I would you know bring them up here on this podcast. And the first one um, is called Mindset by Carol Dweck, and uh, it was written maybe twenty years ago, and it's. You know, in the last five years, it's gaining a lot of momentum. Carol Dweck does a fascinating job, and it's a quick read. She does a fascinating job of trying to split humans into two types. There's the growth-minded and fixed-minded. And I found that book fascinating because it helped me understand um, how people think and how they might react to certain situations. And a growth-minded person is somebody who, who's constantly trying to learn. Mistakes aren't that um, negative or, or, or critical. They're, you know, they're, it's part of the learning process for them. Uh, and a, a you know, fixed-minded person is very good at, at one thing. They stick to that one thing. The worst thing that can happen to them is to make a mistake. So they're very cautious. Uh, and, and that helped me a lot in understanding my team and different uh, personalities. And it also helped me understand, you know, partners and potential customers and people I was interacting with on a daily basis and even with my own family, right? Differences in, in, in children. So uh, highly recommend that book, Mindset by Carol Dweck. And another one that I used a lot and shaped the way I would run my team is, uh, is, is called Traction, the Entrepreneur Operating System. And it was, uh, last name is Wickman, the author. And it helped me to bring, uh, it's kind of like an agile for management, it helped bring a lot of 
uh, process improvements, how to evaluate my team, the people analyzer, and how to do 360 degree um, evaluations on, on the values of the company and if people get it, want it, and they have the ability to do the job. Uh, and also, uh, how to stay focused. You know, what do we look like in, in three years and in one year? And in order to execute on that vision, what do we need to do this quarter? And let's stick to that. And we tied it with uh, OKRs that, that were developed by, I think it was Intel or, or Google. Um, so highly recommend that, that book traction for any, you know, leader uh, of a large team or maybe a startup uh, founder who's looking to bring some sanity in how they're running their teams. Both great uh, examples of books. I like the growth versus fixed. Uh, I always hear it as builders versus operators uh, mm -hmm. in terms of the archetypes that are there. So it's been my distinct pleasure to uh, interview Mario Montag, uh, somebody we have a deep relationship with at, uh, at Momenta, um, founder of and C CEO and co-founder of Predicto, VP and Chief Data and Analytics Officer at United Technologies, and soon to be successful entrepreneur yet again. <laughs> and uh, and so we're uh, we're very excited to have had. Uh, had you uh, featured you on this podcast and looking forward to uh, continuing the relationship and uh, and the conversations as well. So thank you very much, Mario, and to thank our uh, our um, uh, listening base, uh, have a great day. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Leadership Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the discussions. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archive versions of prior podcasts, webinars, as well as resources to help you with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.